0: And then there were eight, as in the Elite Eight. We now know those teams on the basis of four more games on Sunday, and we're ready to talk all about this 2021 NCAA tournament. The madness, the mayhem of March that is whittled down from 16 teams down to eight, eventually headed to a Final Four this weekend in Indianapolis and then a national championship game. One week from today, it will be decided. Welcome in. It's the Nation's College Basketball Show and Podcast. I am the somewhat lucid, somewhat rested host of the show, T.J. Reeves. In just a moment, the first of a couple of guests, Jason Powers of the Powers on Sports Podcast, will be right here with me with some Sunday night off-the-cuff breakdown of all of the games that took place on Sunday, including an epic Sweet 16 game between Alabama and UCLA, Down Go the Tide at the hands of of the guys from Westwood, the Blue Bloods, one of the iconic brands in all of college sports, is back in the Elite Eight at the hands of Alabama in UCLA. So Jason will talk with me about that. All the games, we'll look ahead to the Sweet 16, or uh, actually the Elite Eight now that the Sweet 16 is done. In a bit, Mark Wise, my analyst from ESPN and the SEC Network, who's been with me now for eight years here on TuneIn on college basketball coast-to-coast and uh, the show and the podcast. Can't wait to talk to him about the weekend games and look ahead to the Elite Eight. Of course, we've got two games coming on Monday night. Uh, They include the Baylor Bears and the Arkansas Razorbacks reenacting the Southwest Conference for one spot in the Final Four. And then it's the Oregon State Beavers and the Houston Cougars. Who had that? Show me a bracket with that, please. Uh, Except Wayne Tinkle's family for Oregon State. Uh, that is for another spot in the final four. Those two games coming up on Monday night. So, so much to get to. Again, a reminder, if you have not done so already, subscribe to this podcast, of uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, however you found us on a social media link. If you subscribe, it comes automatically to you. New show out daily around lunchtime eastern time around noon eastern time new show all the way through this week all the way through final four weekend and the championship game and even after the championship game if you subscribe show is also on the tune in app the free channel on tune in tag sports group go check that out top and bottom of the hour tag Tag sports group under sports this show streams top and bottom of the hour on that channel all of that out of the way sunday in the books we know that gonzaga and michigan and ucla and usc two teams from los angeles hello pac-12 with three teams in the elite eight for the first time since 2001 with all of that said here's jason powers of the powers on sports podcast my goodness some fantastic action And let's start – let's go right for dessert, as I like to say. Forget about the main course. Forget about – we always, as kids, want to dessert right away. Let's go dessert right away. My God, what a game, UCLA and Alabama. Welcome, my friend. What are your thoughts on on that game, an epic game, and UCLA somehow wins it in overtime?
1: Absolutely. Give full credit to UCLA, Mick Cronin. One thing UCLA has been known for over the years has been a finesse, up-tempo, offensive team with coaches like Steve Alford and company – Mick Cronin has really developed a grittiness and a guttiness to that UCLA program with some of the guys they have. They kept the pace down today against Alabama. They made their free throws, which was the big thing. Yep. You know, we'll, we'll talk about the coaching decision to foul or not to foul in the last four or five seconds. A mistake probably Cronin probably wishes he had back. But what a game. Great job by Alabama to get the game into overtime and they just got dominated in overtime. Give UCLA all the credit. Johnny Jujang, Juzang had fouled out with about three minutes to go in regulation. They got through the regulation with uh, Jaquez, had some big buckets at late in regulation and
0: overtime. Oh, yeah. And, and Singleton in overtime was a big factor for the Bruins. Well, they, uh, they again made the plays and made the shots. But Alabama opened the door. You mentioned missed free throws. And I am a guy – Uh, that look, I I mean, I'm going to joke with Mark Wise about this uh, in a little bit. I I still have PTSD uh, from my Memphis Tigers blowing the 2008 National Championship with missed free throws at the end against Kansas. I still see Mario Chalmers in my nightmares making the three to burn them. And lo and behold, Alabama with brick after brick after brick, a good free throw shooting team, but they are are going to spend – the next few days, maybe even the next few weeks, lamenting all of those missed foul shots. Herb Jones, we got to single him out. Missed four yeah. of them in the final two and a half minutes. He missed three of them in the final minute of the game, and it just it opened the door. Uh, you can't do that. You're you're gonna you're 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 basically teetering, and you're gonna fall over the cliff. Are you not? It's, it's the pressure of Alabama's a two seed. That region is wide open.
1: You got UCLA, a team you're supposed to beat, and like you said, 11 of 25 for Alabama at the line today. Herb Jones, Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year in the SEC,
0: came up small at the line. I mean, it, I mean, they weren't even close. I mean, uh, just wasn't, and he wasn't the only one that missed it, but he missed the key no. ones. And then, and then we get to the amazing in sequence that you referenced, where Alabama is down by three. And uh, UCLA, in a timeout situation, has a timeout to talk about it, just like Calipari and Memphis did in 08. And they can't figure out, out of a timeout, we got to grab somebody before they shoot the three. Cronin said after the game on Sunday night, Jason Powers, that what they discussed in the huddle was, do not foul the point guard, Quinterly, if he has it, because the fear was he was going to quick release and you were going to maybe have three free throws. Right. So they were trying not to foul him. And then they don't grab Alex Reese, the big man, the forward, who, by the way, college basketball, coast to coast audience, had not scored in the game, Jason Z-ray. Powers. Zero. And he makes the three to tie the game. I know we erupted in our house with the wife, the twins. You erupted with a beverage in hand, I'm sure. The state of Alabama might have had a seismic event when that thing went in. Wow. What are your thoughts there?
1: And really surprised that they didn't take that momentum into overtime. UCLA, the first two possessions of overtime, score, score, up five quickly in overtime. And Alabama was just, they got, they panicked. They started jacking up threes early in the shot clock in overtime when they were down five. And they just kind of panicked, and Oach didn't call timeout, which surprised me after being down five. And to me, you live by the three, you die by the three. And that's what Alabama did all year, and they
0: died tonight in overtime. Yeah, they finished seven for 28 from three in the game. UCLA 10 of 29 it was a game of runs Alabama looked like early on they might run them out of the gym they went on an 11 nothing run at the beginning of the game you thought they might be up by 10 15 UCLA came back and outscored them something like 14 to 2 late the first half Alabama put a good run on to start the second half UCLA put another run on just a tremendous sweet 16 game no doubt Jason absolutely again give Mick Cronin credit he was undermanned he
1: did a good job getting utilizing his big man Riley again. Juzang and Hakez delivered when he need. They like to play a lot of isolation basketball with those two guys. Isolate one side of the floor, let them go to work. Kind of an more of an NBA approach than a college approach. And he's got two good scores that are six eight six seven guys
0: that are athletic enough to get their own shot. Well, they got it done. The Bruins did. They're in the Elite Eight for the first time since 2008. That same Final Four where my Memphis Tigers beat UCLA. That's the last time they were in the Elite Eight and in the Final Four uh, that season. So they are back. That's the voice of Jason Powers. Find him at JPO Sports. Jason Powers on Sports. It's the Powers on Sports podcast. He's with me on college basketball coast to coast. Mark Wise standing by in the wings from ESPN and the SEC Network. He'll have thoughts on this Alabama-UCLA game as well. We could do an hour on this game by itself. All right, That's understood. It's acknowledged. So let's move on to a couple of other things from Sunday and let you look ahead to Monday. Gonzaga demolished uh, Creighton. I know you you attended the Florida State University for a little while. You were hoping the Seminoles would hang in with Michigan. Not the case. Michigan too good. Florida State too many turnovers. Not enough uh, made three-pointers. And then late night, Sunday night, USC pummeled Oregon. Give me any thoughts you want out of all three of those games, Jason.
1: Was surprised that the Michigan margin of victory was what it was. Not that they won the game, but surprised that they won by what they did and how comfortable the game was. Michigan scored 50 paint points against Florida State. A very good defensive team. They have good bigs, good length. Very surprised that Michigan got 50 points in the paint. But give Michigan full credit. No Isaiah Livers the rest of the tournament. John steps up. Wagner steps up. Dickinson step up. Very balanced scoring for Michigan. Give Jawan Howard full credit for a thorough beating of Florida State. Didn't, didn't see that margin of victory coming. USC, the Mobley Twins are for real. This, this front line is for real. I think they got an opportunity to give Gonzaga a little bit of a game because of the size and the length. That 2-3 zone that they're playing just ate up Oregon. The, the first few minutes of the game, USC played man-to-man against Oregon. Oregon was getting some points, getting some things done. They went to that zone, and that turned the entire game around in the first half, mid-first half for USC on Sunday night.
0: Yeah, it's no joke. They beat Kansas badly, and they were dominating Oregon. Oregon made it a game at the very end uh, after being down 20, got it down to nine, but USC put the game away and will now get a Gonzaga team that, again, is loaded. They weren't really challenged in the second half at all. What have they won? It's it's literally like 26 games now with the three tournament games, 26 games in a row by double figures, uh, and they're three steps away from a perfect season, Jason Gonzaga.
1: No. Absolutely. It's, and, and, and say what you want. It's not going to be an asterisk season. If they go perfect, you got to put them in the same light as do Indiana. Um, they have such balance. They've got good front court players. They've got good point guard play. They've got some shooters. So they've got a well-rounded team. They're not the deepest team in the world, but the guys that play are all good contributors and they all can go for 15 to 20 points. They got probably six guys that could score 15 to 20 if they had to on a given night. So that makes the likelihood of them all going cold in one night pretty, pretty unlikely.
0: Yep. And again, two, one seats, make it through to the elite eight, uh, in that bracket. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Baylor makes it through in another bracket. And then we've got an Oregon state and a Houston coming up on Monday night, uh, for the elite eight, um, as well, man, oh man, oh man. Uh, love all of this couple of minutes left. Uh, here with you couple of more things here about the drama and about this time of year. Uh, you know, we talked about the strategy at the end of games of foul or don't foul, but the teams that are able to change their defense, diversify how they play. Yep. It's no, it's no coincidence. And the teams that are playing the best on the defensive end, uh, they have risen to the top here. You look at what Michigan did to take Florida state out of their game. You look at, uh, how well, as you mentioned, USC played defensively, how well Houston played yes. um, against Syracuse, how well Oregon State played defensively against Loyola of Chicago. It's not an accident, Jason Powers.
1: No, I mean, you've got to be, say what you want. Just like we say in football, defense wins championships. You got to be able to lock a team down. You don't have to shut them out, but you got to be able to do the fundamentals of defense and isolate, figure out who the weak link is on all, on defense, and exploit them. And these teams, like you've mentioned, are playing excellent defense. The coaching has been great. Knowing when to play zone, knowing when to play man, put a little pressure on. And, again, the pressure of this tournament, when you get in the last five minutes, when these favorite, these big favorite high seeds are leading, the pressure the, the, at the free throw line. Oral Roberts yesterday took Arkansas to the gun. What a performance by Oral Roberts. Great job by Arkansas. Give them credit. They made the plays at the end they had to make. But give Oral Roberts and these lower seated teams the credit. The Oregon States—they're not going to be afraid of Houston tomorrow night. You're going to have Arkansas. They're not going to be afraid of Baylor. They've—they've they've got as good athletes as Baylor, if not better, for in, in a lot of those positional matchups. And the last thing is senior guard leadership. Baylor's got the guards. Houston's got the the, the
0: experience as well. So make that's a key factor. Love both of those points that you make about the games on Monday night. Again, Oregon State-Houston will be up first. Uh, These are at Lucas Oil Stadium, the Colts Football Stadium, the Elite Eight games, and the Final Four games, and the National Championship game now in the big stadium on the two courts. So Oregon State-Houston will be up first on Monday night, then Baylor and Arkansas. Uh, Again, uh, the Oregon State team has not been in the Elite Eight since 1982. The Houston Cougars also have not been in the Elite Eight since 1984. The Arkansas Razorbacks have not been in the Elite Eight since 1995. Talk about some new blood. Uh, We're getting all of that along with Baylor. In these games tonight, real quick, I got about 60 seconds left. What else? Anything else?
1: Seven of the eight teams are from west of the Mississippi. Wow. That's, a, that's something that you did not expect coming into this tournament. The Pac-12 continues to dominate. What a great job by that conference. Again, forget about who's overrated or not. Just give those teams credit. They've made all the plays at, at crunch time. And I got to say one more thing before we go. Congratulations, TJ. You're the 69th best team in the country. Your Memphis Tigers <laughs> have won the NIT. <laughs> With one penny hard away,
0: can I tell you something? And this is the truth as we come in on this Monday on college basketball coast to coast. I have sworn off the no one's interested tournament, the NIT, for <laughs> 15 years. John Calipari won it one year at Memphis, and I didn't watch any of it. And you can harpoon and lampoon me all you want. I am NIT free, baby. I didn't watch a single <laughs> second of any of it. So I know they won. But uh, whatever with the NIT. okay, good for Memphis. Good for Penny. They they won. And you're right. The 69th gripe now that you didn't get in. Jason Powers, Powers on Sports Podcast. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find the podcast. I love your insight. And I know you're also an IU, Indiana grad school guy. And you want to weigh in on the hire of Mike Woodson, the NBA assistant for the Indiana job. What is going on? I hope, I hope Indiana made the
1: call this morning to Porter Moser and Chris Beard before they hired Mike Woodson. If they didn't,
0: that's a major problem. They have not recovered uh, after the night scandal. And after Mike Davis being in the national championship game, speaking of a one Oh two, they have not really recovered on the biggest scale. Tom Crean had them in a sweet 16, but they've, they've not been Indiana since then. And to hire, I mean, look. I know Mike Woodson played there 45 years ago, but Mike Woodson has never coached in college basketball. Let me say again: he has never coached in the college game, has never recruited at all, and for that to be the hire, woo, the only powers. the only positive thing I'll
1: say to that is they, he brought along Thad Mata, who's right. got lots of roots in the in the Midwest, obviously in the Big Ten. That helps. Apparently they wanted to hire Mata, but Mata had some health issues and he still couldn't does. Pass a physical still does. He probably would have been the head coach, but he's coming on board as kind of an associate athletic director head of basketball. So hopefully Thad's influence in the Midwest will help Woodson on the recruiting trail and those kind of things as far as being a college head, head coach as, as opposed to an NBA guy like you mentioned never coached a minute at the college level, which is very surprising.
0: Yeah, the whole thing is surprising. And again, they bought Archie Miller out for ten million dollars to end up with an NBA assistant, a guy uh who again is fifty games under five hundred in his NBA coaching career with the Cavaliers and the Knicks. Not a sexy hire. And I know it's not going over well in Indiana. And again, the final four, the 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 whole tournament going on in Indianapolis while this backdrop is going on. Uh pretty. Steve young. Alford
1: must have really they must have really burned some bridges with Steve Alford for him my, not to have gotten yeah, off the understanding,
0: My understanding is it is more him not wanting the job and making right. it clear, I wow. guess, even over the last two or three years, that he would not go back to Indiana. So, who knows? Crazy. But instead, it's uh, it's Woodson who gets the job. Jason Powers, Powers on Sports Podcast. Find it on all the podcast platforms. Thank you for hanging on college basketball coast to coast. Let's see what happens in these Elite Eight games. My friend, thank you. I appreciate the time. Anytime, TJ. You got it. Indeed. We are back in with my analyst from ESPN and the SEC Network. always love the insight of one mark-wise, especially this time of the year. Coach, we have now gotten to the Elite Eight and done so with some tremendous action on Sunday. At the forefront, the UCLA-Alabama game. You're very familiar with the Tide, working the SEC network. So give us your thoughts here on what was a tremendous game and an overtime win for the Bruins.
2: Well, TJ, there are several things that jumped out at me. One is UCLA controlled tempo. This is a UCLA team that is 337th, according to Ken Palm, in tempo. They beat... Uh, In their first round game um, in the NCAA tournament, well, not counting the Michigan State, they played that game in the 60s in terms of possessions before it went to overtime. But against a very up-tempo BYU team, they only played a 60-possession game. The national average is right around 70. Against Abilene Christian, it was 63 possessions. And again, against Alabama, uh, they were in the 60s before the game went into overtime. So they controlled tempo. And the other thing is that they were so connected defensively. I love the game plan because they sold out at the three-point line. And it's not so much that Alabama didn't make threes. It's that Alabama didn't get threes. This is an Alabama team that shoots 30 threes a game. And yet in the 40 minutes of regulation, they only shot 22 of them. So so you add all that up in terms of game plan, defensive uh, tempo, um, what they wanted and you throw in the Alabama misery at the free throw line, and you get the result that we did.
0: Yeah, free throws will be the death of you if you continue to brick them. And unfortunately for the Tide, it set them up to be beaten. Uh, Your analysis on the play at the very end with the three-point shot, with the play at the very end with the three-point shot from Reese, his only field goal of the game We're big on the back and forth. We're in agreement. Foul, 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 foul. Again, Mick Cronin has explained. He explained in the huddle he didn't want one of the little guards to be fouled for fear that they would gun up a three wherever they were and have it be three free throws. But here it is again. They don't grab them. And UCLA is very fortunate that they weren't eliminated when Alabama got the game into overtime, Mark.
2: I totally agree. Um, The numbers tell us that the foul or defend debate is very close in in terms of what uh, success rate. I'm a foul guy. I believe in fouling. Uh, I thought they should have fouled. Here was the more important shot, though, I think. Well, I don't know that it's more important, but I think When UCLA started the overtime and David Singleton made the three, TJ, it was like an emotional stabilizer for the Bruins, and they kind of caught their breath and went, okay. By the way, you've heard me say this before. I thought the wise theory was in full force last night in terms of that overtime. I've often said that when the golfer makes the putt to force sudden death, when football goes into overtime – and you think this particular team has the momentum, I'm willing to bet that more times than not, the team that you think has the momentum, they do not go on to win.
0: Yeah, well, and last night, UCLA hit the big shots, at least at the beginning of overtime, that put the pressure on Alabama and was able uh, to come away with a tremendous win. All right, uh, again, I've got you here for a few more minutes as we talk with Mark Wise. He's at MW Hoops on Twitter, a great follow. Love his insight and half for the last eight years on this college basketball coast-to-coast program on uh, both TuneIn and in podcast form as we head towards the Elite Eight. Gonzaga, an easy win. Michigan, a surprisingly easy win with Florida State. And then USC just dominated Oregon late night, Sunday night. I would love to lay, lay you out and, and set you up with great drama in any of the other three games. There really wasn't any. So good, just as much as you want on all three of them, they've all advanced to the Elite Eight. You know, TJ, when I
2: took a look at late last night, this morning, when I took a look at the not eight winners, but the eight losers in the Sweet 16, what did they all have in common? And here's the bottom line. Creighton, five for 23, Florida State, five for 20, Bama, seven for 28, Oregon, five for 21, and so on. If you took all eight of the losers and looked at their three-point shooting, 43 for 186, Wow, 23%. It tells me what I've already believed. If you want to keep moving in this tournament, you have to do it offensively. If you want your team to play better defense, play better offense. If you want them to be more connected on the defensive end, play with more energy on the glass, play better offense. Bottom line, Syracuse, 5 for 23. Loyola, 5 for 23. Villanova, 3 for 20, uh, three for 17. And finally, Oral Roberts, 8 for 31. So, again, the teams that do not find their offense do not advance.
0: Yep, and, and again, uh, we, we set up now a couple of games coming here with Gonzaga against um, USC, which a, a quick blush on that because I'm not going to have you before Tuesday night. I believe that USC team can hang in there with Gonzaga. I don't know that they can beat them, but they are long, they're athletic, and they're making shots. I believe they can hang in. And the other one is Michigan-UCLA uh, for Tuesday night.
2: Well, I think, again, Michigan has just been so impressive to me. Um, uh, with losing uh, uh, Isaiah Livers and what they're getting off with Brown off the bench, he's become a consistent double figure score for them now. Um, so again, UCLA is going to try and limit possessions. Uh, I, I think Michigan is, is better built. They're, they're more balanced uh, than let's say Alabama. And don't forget Herb Jones getting in those early foul trouble. Uh, that was a huge part of that game. I, that won't bother Michigan as much. In terms of the USC, and you and I mentioned this in the preview mode the other day, I thought USC is built, when you talk about the two Mobleys and their size and their length, they're built to give Gonzaga more problems. But here's the problem for USC. Scoring against Oregon is one thing. Trying to keep up with Gonzaga is another And they're going to have – I'm saying 85. USC's got to get to 85 points. If they don't get to 85 points, they have no chance of beating Gonzaga.
0: No doubt. I want to get specific on the Monday games. We're on the Monday show and the Monday preview for the Elite Eight. But right now, as many people have put, Pac-12 gets three teams in the Elite Eight. The West Coast gets four teams in the Elite Eight when you add Gonzaga (laughs) in. Uh, the West Coast representing – left Coast representing – Uh, with this. It is the first time since 2001 for three Pac-12 schools to be in the Elite Eight, and USC and UCLA were two of those schools in the Elite Eight in 01, and they're back there Uh, Again, all right, to the Monday games, uh, as I've already joked with Jason Powers before you came on this podcast, hail the old Southwest Conference, Baylor, Arkansas in one of the games, (laughs) Houston, uh, also with Oregon State in the other game. All right, what do these two games come down to with two spots up for the final four mark?
2: Well, we know that Oregon State's going to zone Houston. No surprise there. The question becomes, can Oregon State do a better job on the glass against Houston? Houston's going to be very streaky with their three-point shots. Um, You know, they they need Sasser. uh, They need Grimes making threes. And I got to tell you. Uh, when when Kelvin Sampson said that Jarrell was only going to be about 75% the other night, well, that's the best 75% player I've ever seen because the way he kept up with Buddy Bayheim was pretty impressive. The other game that intrigues me is Arkansas and Baylor. And obviously, Arkansas has won a couple of two-point games. Uh, they can beat you in a variety of ways. This is a backcourt matchup made for television this is must see tv in terms of Butler and Mitchell and company against Jalen Tate and you and I we we've been on the Jalen Tate bandwagon for for quite some time and yes I know Devonte Davis gets a lot of credit because of the shot he made the other night the, the way he's fearless Moses Moody is a lottery pick but let me tell you about Jalen Tate and all the dirty work that he does for Arkansas in terms of not only running the point, but it was his offensive rebounds in the second half that played a big role in that game. I think this is a really interesting matchup. I do think this will be close. Uh, I do think Baylor will probably edge this out, but I see this being a real tight game. Here's the guy to keep your eye on this game. For Arkansas, Justin Smith must play well. He cannot get lost in in this kind of game in terms of what Baylor presents and the problems that Baylor presents. But a great, great matchup on Monday night.
0: Right, going to be a lot of fun with both of these. Again, the Houston Cougars have not been in the Final Four since Phi Slamma Jamma. Oregon State's never been there. The Arkansas Razorbacks have not been there since 1995, as we joked about on the Saturday Night Show, when Bill Clinton, the governor of Arkansas, had become president and was at their games. <laughs> and then the Baylor Bears trying to get there for the first time in like 70 years. So... Going to be something else to watch. This guy's something else. I always love your insight. We got Monday night and Tuesday night Elite Eight games. Promise me, Mark Wise, I get you back to talk Final Four. We only have to wait four days after the Elite Eight concludes on Tuesday night to have the Final Four. <laughs> Promise me I get you later in the week. You will, TJ. Thanks. And there he goes. My thanks again to Mark Wise for being with me. Reminder again, it's a Monday night and Tuesday night of the Elite Eight. Highly unusual in this 2021 NCAA tournament. Finishing up the Sweet 16 Elite Eight weekend with Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. They did that for extra testing for COVID-19. The guidelines, the safety, it has all worked out to this point. Again, as we head now into the Elite Eight, it's important to point out that out of 60 scheduled games, they've played 59 of them. Only the VCU-Oregon game didn't play, so that is a fantastic job there. We get ready for these games tonight tonight. With Baylor and Arkansas, Oregon State and Houston, two spots for the Final Four up for grabs. We'll be back to recap those tomorrow and get ready for all the action on the Tuesday night Elite Eight games with Michigan, UCLA, Gonzaga, and USC. For now, again, we're done. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Live streaming show on TuneIn. Top and bottom of the hour on the TAG Sports Group channel. TAG, T A G. it streams for free on the TuneIn app. From Mark Wise, for Jason Powers and the Powers on Sports podcast, I am merely TJ Reeves. Enjoy Monday night in the Elite Eight. We're back tomorrow on College Basketball Coast to Coast.